Good morning, Centerway Church. I'm Eric, and I'm so thankful to be gathering with you online this morning. Now, today is going to be a great day. Now, anytime we can grow and be together is a great day, but it's our annual one day to feed the world offering. More on that in a moment. First, welcome to everyone gathering this morning on the live platform, including those in watch parties. Hello to those watching or listening to this later on in the week. And if you're joining us for the first time, a very special welcome to you. We know in the season it may be difficult to visit a church, but we trust that even online, you'll feel at home here. Now, in hopes of making your first visit a little bit easier, I'm gonna run through some information that we share every single week that we trust will help you, our guests, and everyone else know a little bit about what to expect as we gather. If you're gathered live on Sunday morning, the online platform has many options for you. You can share or update your information. There's also a tab to give, to take next steps, uh, to find previous messages, and to share this message. You can also request prayer right on the live platform, and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening to this message later, you can do those things through our website. Now, if you need prayer throughout the week, if you have questions, ideas, or feedback, we'd love to help any way that we can. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. And we have resources to go along with the message that will help you grow no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey and take you deeper throughout the week. There are two main places on our website to find those, the message page and the next steps page. You'll definitely want to check out our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals and wallpaper images to remind you of the weekly application question, among other things. And if you have kids in your home, we have a message just for them. They learn from the same scripture text that we learn from and end with the same application question, which allows for great discussion and growth as a family. Now, as I mentioned, today is our annual one day to feed the world offering. We partner with Convoy of Hope all throughout the year, and this is one of the ways. Take a look at this two-minute video about what we get to be a part of. In Psalms 1:13-7, God says He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage pile. That's what the scripture says. All that the children know here is garbage. Almost everyone in this community works in the trash dump, including the kids. It's like a time machine. They walk in and become adults. They get hurt a lot by knives, mirrors, and aluminum. Malnutrition and violence are the norm there, and most kids have never gone to school before. Four years ago, I helped start this school right across from the Citadel. This is the front line of the battle. Until 2018, we didn't have any food at school. We started with zero. We even had a child passed out in class because she hadn't had anything to eat in more than 24 hours. It was very hard for us because kids were always hungry. I went looking for someone who could help, and I found Convoy of Hope. Now, we feed the kids every day. Because they have eaten, they are coming alive and learning more. For them to know that food is here, it gives them a sense of security that they lack in the rest of their life. Every child here is a treasure. Because of the food that Comboy gives, combined with the education we're providing, the kids can keep dreaming. And if we just give them one chance, we can prove that they are valuable and that they could do something rather than just stay in poverty. God is doing something great here. And His promises 
are coming true. So great, isn't it? Convoy of Hope works in the U.S. and in 127 countries around the world to not only feed, clothe, and educate kids, but also to empower women, provide disaster relief, and so much more. Now, when we met in person, the way we received this offering was really special. The kids would join the adult gathering to personally give what they had raised, and then they, we would get out of our seats and bring our gifts up. It obviously looks a little bit different this year, but it's no less special or impactful. Please know that we are celebrating your generosity, and most importantly, you're posturing your heart and leveraging your treasure toward kingdom work. If you weren't prepared to give online today, you can give all throughout the week. Whenever you do, visit the Give page of our website and you'll see a One Day to Feed the World dropdown. Now here's what to expect today. Garth will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship immediately after the message. You can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now, with an epic view, here's Garth with a text for today. Hey, Sunway. This is Garth Jansen from the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and I get the privilege to read the passage this morning. Uh, I'm going to be reading Mark chapter 4, 21 through 34. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to those, For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night, rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Thanks again for this opportunity. Take care, everyone. Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Super excited that you have the opportunity to join us as we continue in our series called Disrupted. Uh, this morning's message is entitled Perception. So Disrupted Perception. And uh, we're moving through, as you just heard, uh, Mark chapter 4 verses 21 through 34, where uh, Jesus kind of communicates three specific parables. And before we get into those parables, uh, I just want to ask you a question to kind of consider something. Have you ever 
ever um, kind of thought that you understood a situation only to realize that you don't understand what's going on at all? (laughs) It seems like I've done that a lot in my life. I go in and I think I know exactly what's happening here only to realize I have no clue what's actually taking place. As much as I could share several examples, there's one that really sticks out to me. Um, I went to college outside of Philadelphia, and uh, we would do what was called homeless ministry, where we would go into the inner city of Philadelphia and some of the roughest areas of Philly and uh, provide sandwiches and blankets to the homeless and just in some cases have spiritual conversations with them in other ways, just meet their needs and uh, and talk to them and hear them. And uh, it, was, it was really a rather cool season of my life. And uh, there was one time in particular that we were in a a really rough area of Philly and um, we were down a back alleyway and we had just been handing out some supplies to some people there and we came out of this dark alleyway and we didn't always really think about what that would look like to other people. And there was this elderly woman that was walking on a sidewalk. And um, the way any city works really is there's a rough area and then all of a sudden there's a completely normal area or a not so rough area. And at some point there's, you know, that exchange and this alleyway kind of bridged those two communities. And so uh, this was a nicer community where we had parked the school van. And so we're coming out of the alleyway into that nicer community. And there's this elderly woman walking by and uh, she looks at us and uh, I'm a rather tall guy. And the gentleman that was with me was a pretty big guy too. And so we come out of this alleyway and it's cold. And so we're dressed in warm clothes clothing and stuff. And we just looked intimidating, I'm sure. And we're coming from the wrong side of town, essentially. And so she just stops as we come out and she almost gasps and she's looking and she's looking around and and you could just see like terror kind of coming over her. And, uh, and she says, (laughs) she says, you can have whatever you want. Just don't hurt me. And, uh, I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, (laughs) they're going to hurt you. And so, I mean, so I, I, took her purse, obviously, like, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I didn't take her purse. Her shoes were way nicer. So I just said, give me the shoes instead. No, I'm joking. I didn't take anything from her. All jokes. Uh, She was completely terrified. And uh, so I'm just trying to calm her down and I'm I'm letting her know, no, 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 we're, we're, we're not here to hurt you or anything. We're we're here actually to, to help the, the homeless people, you know, down this, this alleyway. So that, that's why we're here. And my friend was so overwhelmed in the moment and what was happening, he interpreted kind of the situation differently. Um, He actually thought that maybe she was a homeless woman coming down the alleyway. And so he actually said, yeah, uh, I mean, we have sandwiches and blankets. Do you want any? And I kind of looked at him like, like, because it was very clear that she didn't seem to me to be a woman in need. She just seemed like a very frightened woman. And, uh, and so he says this and she looks at him like completely offended. So she goes from like scared to completely offended. And she says, no, I am not a homeless person. I don't need your charity. And, uh, and I was like, ma'am, I realize we just scared you and we're not trying to, you know, to do anything. We don't mean anything by it. You know, I'm so sorry. And so I'm viewing this as just, you know, a woman that we caught off guard and she's kind of scared. This is a sweet old woman that, that just kind of is frightened. And so as I'm kind of approaching her apologizing, um, she flips me off and I'm like, wow, I misread that. So literally the entire experience is misunderstanding after misunderstanding. She thinks that we're coming to hurt her. Then my friend thinks that maybe she's in need. And then I think she's just a nice old lady. And here she just flips me the bird. So 
There's just moment after moment of misunderstanding. And so the question I want us all to consider as we explore the text this morning is this. Why does judging by appearances happen so naturally? Why does judging by appearances happen so naturally? Well, the truth is, whether we like it or not, we all do it. We all do this. We all judge by appearances, and we collectively know that we shouldn't. We realize that. Our perception informs our reality, like it or not. It's just the way things function. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that as humans, we, we don't want to be judged, I mean, you hear people say that all the time, like, you can't judge me, that guy can't judge me, and we don't want to be judged. In fact, we even have sayings like, don't judge a book by its cover, right? It's a saying we all know. But we make judgment calls based on our perception all the time, all the time. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're honestly saying today that that you've truly learned not to judge people by their appearances. And... That should be a great thing and and celebrated. But there's also some moments that you do judge people based on their appearance, right? Like, Like, even if you give people the benefit of the doubt, I would, you know argue that if all of a sudden at 2 a.m. you looked out your window because you heard some noise and someone was messing with your car and as you kind of wiped the sleep away from your eyes and focused in and you saw that they had some type of a, a pry bar and maybe a weapon in their <laughs> hanging out of their pants pocket, you wouldn't be like, honey, wake up, fire up the coffee pot. I think someone's here for a visit. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. No, right? You call the police because it seems like maybe you're being robbed. And so there's this difference between wisdom and perception, judgment calls, right? We still tend to judge people by their appearance and sometimes with very good reason. We know the difference, right? I would assume we know the difference. Well, even if you are a person that purposes to not judge people, to give people the benefit of the doubt, if you will, We don't simply stop with judging people. It goes beyond that. Think a little bit deeper than that. We don't just do it with people. We do it even with like restaurants. I remember I stayed one summer uh, at college because I was with a a traveling ministry team. And I remember one of the guys that I lived with in the apartment, he said he just raved about this restaurant in downtown Philly, just talked about it all the time, all the time. And so one of my other apartment mates said, well, let's go there. Let's check it out for dinner. And so we piled into the car and we drove down into Philly. And as we're pulling up to this restaurant, uh, the one guy that just raved about it nonstop, he's like, you are going to love it. You're going to love this place. And I remember my friend pulled up and he goes, which place? And he goes, this is it right here. He goes, right there? And he's like, yeah. He goes, you're going to love it. It's going to change your life. My friend looked at him and said, I'm going to live the rest of my life wondering if that's true. And he just pulled away. (laughs) And I was like, wait, are we, are we not eating there? He goes, that place is a dump. It is so filthy. I wouldn't eat anything from there if you were paying me. And that was it. We just drove away. Why? Because the appearance of the restaurant, it didn't matter who said what, there's no way he's going into that place. Could have been the cleanest place on the inside, but the outside was filthy. We do it, sometimes with good reason, and sometimes we're completely wrong, right? We don't just stop there. (laughs) We don't just do it with restaurants and people. We do it with food. Like, if you have children, if you're a parent out there, or if you were ever a child, which I think about 100% of us were, at some point you've done this. You've either witnessed it or you have done 
this sentence right here. I don't like that. To which someone replies, you haven't tried it. To which you reply, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't like it. What are you talking about? How can you not like something you've never tried? What you're basically saying is, I am judging by appearance right now. And based on what it is I see or smell or the senses, which is perception, based on what I perceive, the answer is no. Judgment. We cast a judgment. It happens all the time on every single level. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. The list goes on. We even do it situationally. We avoid things because we think we know what will happen. See, that's where it starts to really interrupt the flow and the fruitfulness of our lives. And we start making judgment calls on situations, things that we won't do, things that we're not willing to try because we think we know what will happen based on appearance, informed by our perception. But guess what? Like I already said, we're sometimes wrong. In fact, I would argue we're wrong a lot. We're often wrong, but it doesn't stop us, right? It doesn't stop us. Like when your mom or your dad kind of forces you to try it, like, no, trust me, you're going to like it. And you try it and you're like, darn it. <laughs> I actually like it. And I go, okay, I guess I'll have some, but only because you're making me. Like, huh, are you making me have seconds? Because that's happening too, right? Like, it's amazing how all of a sudden we realize we're wrong. But that doesn't stop us from the next time food's put in front of us that we don't like the look of or the smell of or the restaurant that looks a little dirty or whatever it might be. We're wrong, but it doesn't stop us. Why is it so natural? Why is it so natural for us to judge by appearances? It's simple. We do it to protect ourselves. We do it to protect ourselves. Think about how misguided that is, especially if we're wrong sometimes. Even if we're wrong once, isn't it enough to kind of learn the lesson? But we judge by appearance as a form of self-protection. Think about that. Like I said before, the problem is sometimes we're wrong. So let me ask you this. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, wherever you are on the spiritual gamut of your journey this morning, as a human being, everyone that's listening or watching, is it possible that we're wrong about the kingdom of God? Is it possible? Like, if this is a human condition, that we judge things based on our perception, whether it be people, food, restaurants, list goes on, circumstances, situations then doesn't it stand to reason logically that we would apply that same perception, that same judgment concerning the kingdom of God? Wouldn't it make sense that our spiritual perception is muddied? Think about it. Experiences, people, situations have caused us, sadly, maybe out of self-protection, to make a judgment call or judgment calls on our perception of who Jesus is and how the kingdom of God actually works. I mean, isn't that possible? It's concerning, but possible. In today's text, we have three parables in which Jesus clarifies things for us. Beginning at verses 21 through 23, it says this, it says, And he said to them, he meaning Jesus, and Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? 
For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That phrase is similar from last week. We heard it already. Jesus declares himself later to be the light of the world. And so there's a parallel that's taking place in this parable here. He's talking about himself being revealed and the kingdom of God ultimately being meant to be revealed. That it's not something we should keep to ourselves and that it ultimately requires action. That's what having ears to hear means. It requires action for us to listen, to lean in, and to do our part. It's kind of a straightforward Like Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the light of the world. The kingdom of God will be made known. Do your part. But now the next two verses get used and abused. (laughs) They often get taken out of context. Verses 24 through 25 says this. And then he said to them, Jesus continues to speak. Pay attention to what you hear. There it is again. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This, uh, this text is often used as a, as a way to, to kind of understand God's provision. You know, the way that it works. Like, listen, if you have a lot, then God's going to continue to bless you. And, but if you have a little, he's going to continue to take from you. And it's really, really taken out of context. Let's, let's think about in context, what is Jesus talking about? What has he talked about in the verses prior? He's talking about himself and he's talking about now transitioning into the kingdom of God, right? He's talking about the, the revelation and the revealing of the kingdom of God. So there's a critical theological principle that's actually being communicated here. Let's break it down. The means of measuring in this text is hearing. That's how you measure. That's what he says, hearing. So if we talked about hearing last week, hear, this Greek word, means listen. It means to obey. So in English, it means act on what you've heard. Listen. So the the way in which we are measured is the degree in which we act on what it is that the kingdom of God has revealed. Get this. The kingdom principle is, if you are receptive to Jesus and take action in line with the kingdom of God, then more revelations of the kingdom of God will follow. Refuse Jesus and lose the little grasp of the kingdom that you once had. That's what the text means. That's what this verse means in context. So let's try to apply it a little bit so we can wrap our minds around it more. I played uh, baseball most of my life, and um, growing up, the for the most part, I grasped the game, and obviously, I, re- I really enjoyed it. And uh, I remember the first time, actually, I was asked to help coach a little league team. I did it kind of begr- begrudgingly. It felt like a responsibility. I was in college. I was on a baseball team in college, and it kind of came with the expectations. And so I, of course, agreed because I couldn't not agree. Uh, I couldn't disagree. Yeah. And uh, so all of a sudden I found myself there with a little league team and I'm helping coach. And almost immediately I'm kind of helping these kids that don't understand the basics of the game. And as I do that, I start to realize like, oh, there's, there's things I know that I don't even really know how I know. And then there's some things that I've just always done, but I don't really understand. And it was amazing. It was like almost overnight having to coach a team turned me into a student of the game like I had never been before. 
All of a sudden, I, I could understand nuances of, of throwing and hitting. Uh, situational baseball all of a sudden changed entirely for me almost overnight. It was like I leaned in. And I remember all of a sudden starting to think more like a coach than a player on my team. I started to realize that helping this little league team was actually making me a better player. It was amazing. Like all of a sudden I was more conscious of the way that I was swinging the bat, the way that I was setting up to throw. And my coach actually even said like, wow, you're really, it seems like you're thinking differently about the game. It was amazing. It was like, as I was doing something on the behalf of others, I was benefiting from it. I remember really distinctly as the season kind of came to an end, uh, these little kids kind of, you know, grew on me a little bit. And I was saying goodbye to them. And one of the parents walked over and just started thanking me about how I invested in her son. And she was just over the top grateful. And I remember looking at her and honestly, like really honestly, I think sometimes it's a cliche, but I remember saying to her, listen, I think I got more out of this than I ever gave your son. And I meant it. It transformed. Something happened in me when I decided to give of myself. It seemed like I gained. That's the principle here. That's the principle. Let's, let's think about it more spiritually now. Because I think when we, when we think about coaching, it's easier to kind of be like, okay, that makes sense. Like you become a student of the game. But let's put it in the spiritual context. I was discipled by someone uh, actually in college. I was discipled by a professor. And my heart, I remember it being transformed by the gospel. All of a sudden, it was like I was asking questions of myself. He was challenging me with questions, and it caused me to consider what it is I really believed and why I believed. And as I leaned into that, there was this awakening that God was doing in and, and through me. Deeper truths were revealed. But it wasn't until I had the opportunity to disciple someone else that I started to experience a deeper richness in following Jesus. As I sat there and asked questions of others, like what it was that Jesus was doing in and through their lives, what it was that the Holy Spirit was calling them to do, what's their next step? I remember asking them questions and, and, and not because I was giving them right answers. It was because I was on the journey with them. I remember just them answering questions and me starting to think, oh my gosh, like, why have I never seen that? Like, that's what God's speaking to me right now. Like, God spoke it to you, but as you're saying it, he's speaking it to me. And, and my heart just began to, to swell, and I started to realize there, there's, there's a deeper depth of the things of God. The kingdom of God is richer than I ever assumed. And if you are, if you're sitting there and you've ever walked alongside someone in their spiritual journey, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we have uh, a discipleship process called Learning to Follow Jesus. And if you have been a part of that, you, you know what it's like to experience a spiritual coach walking alongside you. But if you've ever spiritually coached someone, you know uniquely exactly what I'm talking about. Like the moments where they're thanking you for going along the journey, but you're thinking, I almost feel guilty because I'm getting so much out of this. Like God is growing me as I'm leaning in. That's it. That's the spiritual principle. That's what is, is Jesus is talking about right here. When you get more out of something than it seems like you gave. If you give, you're filled. If you're a discipler, you're growing. It seems like it doesn't make sense. But that's what Jesus is saying. 
The kingdom of God, it doesn't make natural sense. That's why he's saying it in parables. He's saying the kingdom of God is like. And the disciples are, are so confused because it's so countercultural. And guess what? It's still countercultural. Even in our day and age, we're commanded to make disciples. Are you taking action? Are you hearing that? Are you listening? Are you taking action with what it is that God has called you to do? If you're a Christ follower, are you leaning in and walking alongside others? Do you see what I'm talking about? You get what the text is about this morning? Jesus is saying, if you want to live fully, you must be willing to empty yourself. It, it's so simple and yet it's so profound. Now, I know that here come the judgments, right? Here come the, the perceptions, the, the spiritual perceptions, the muddied spiritual perceptions of, well, I mean, and that's nice, but you know, I, I need to know all the answers before I could ever come alongside someone else. That's a lie. It's not true. It's not an accurate perception of the reality. Jesus takes this group of misfits and challenges them to, to change the world. And in three years of being in the presence of God, all along the while taking action, they become people that walk alongside others. If you just even push that back from a second and just look around Centerway itself, we have very normal people, broken, hot mess people, myself included, that are just leaning in and saying, listen, let's follow Jesus together. So what are the other misperceptions? What does it look like to self-protect right now? Are you too busy? Is the, the season too difficult? Are you too quiet of a person? Are you more reserved? Like, the list goes on, right? <laughs> I don't like it. How do you know you haven't tried it? Oh, just trust me, I don't like it. Maybe, maybe it'll change your life, right? Maybe it'll do something so deep inside of you that you'll think, how in the world did I never walk alongside somebody as they ran after Jesus before? What have I been missing out on? I've been missing out on the fullness of life. Why? Because I've been trying to gain the fullness of life. You see, that's the catch. The kingdom of God is saying, give of yourself. And the world system is saying, take for yourself. And it's so easy to fall into the take category because we can, we can understand that. It resonates with us. Listen, some of us in an attempt to self-protect are off mission. Let me say that again. Some of us in an attempt to self-protect are off mission. Off mission. This is your one and only life. Now, typically people cherry pick these verses as I mentioned before to mean that, that we can get more money and get more stuff. And although out of context and rather shallow, now that you understand the, the larger meaning, there is still a principle that applies. And I think it's worth kind of mentioning so that we can frame that rather than just dismiss it. When we give money, it displays that money has no authority in our lives. You're not in pursuit of more money. And so you bless others and in turn you become blessed. That's the spiritual principle. That's the reality that when we live with hands open, when we live generously, that all of a sudden that, that authority, that grip that money and possessions have on us, all of a sudden we just, we open it up. And as a result, we can be a conduit of blessing to others. But here's the trap. <laughs> the trap is this. You might say, oh, I get it. So I give in order to get. The way I get more is I give more. 
I got it. I got the, I got the little spiritual trick, the way that I can kind of hold Jesus' feet to the fire. But that's if your motive is really to give. I mean, is your motive really giving if you're giving to get? Or is your motive corrupt at its core? Are you actually allowing money to have more authority in your life if you give just to get? You see? You see how that can kind of become corrupt and, and muddied where it's like, wait a second, I, I, I want to give because I want to be blessed. That's the wrong motive. Okay, so then I won't give? Oh no, you should give. <laughs> okay, give, but, but like giving? Even if I don't like giving? It, it's a spiritual perception that's muddied. It gets confusing. But I want to tell you this. You can't manipulate or trick God. Some people act like God is like an absent-minded, rich uncle that if we just say the right sentence, he'll accidentally give us more money and then we go, ha got it. Now I got Jesus. He's got to bless me. But here's the profound reality. We will never get what we want by trying to get it. We will never get what we want by trying to get it. And, and maybe you disagree with that. You're like, well, I don't know. I think, I think I'll get what I want. I worked for a, a boss. Uh, I was in college. And uh, as I was working for that boss, all he wanted was respect. And he would make it very clear often about the respect he deserved and how we were to give him respect. And he was a tyrant. And as a result, he had no respect. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? In an attempt to gain respect, he got none. But there was another manager that worked for him that was a servant. He was just for us all the time. Now, don't make a mistake. I'm not saying that he was like a wimp that was manipulated and, and taken advantage of. No. He was a strong person that chose to serve people on the team. There was, he was always leaning in and he was caught doing things that were below his pay grade. He just wanted to serve us. And as a result of lowering himself, we respected him more than we ever did the positional boss. That's a kingdom principle, right? But we, we kind of corrupt it and we lean into the things we think we can get. We lean into what we think we can get. You see, we give authority to the things in our lives that we want. And as a result, we worship them. They become idols. In turn, those idols enslave us. Money, power, approval, the list goes on. We pursue these things in the same way we think they'll deliver on what we're searching for. We're gonna get what we want. If I just get more money, that's what I need. I just need more. And so if I have to give, I'll give a little bit in order to get more. It's not the way it works. You're actually elevating the, the authority and the strength that these things have over our lives. They never deliver. We always want more. And so they enslave us. The kingdom principle is the opposite of the world system. We try, we grasp, and we never get in the world system. Religion is part of the world system. And it says, do good, earn heaven. Do good, earn heaven. And it's why we're crushed at times with the goodness that we can't muster up. 
But the gospel says, admit you're a sinner and acknowledge your depravity. Only then can you fully understand that Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself, that he died the death that you deserve, and that only through his grace and mercy can you walk in the freedom that he makes available. You see, it's the opposite of what we think. We can spend so much time. The kingdom of God, Jesus is speaking of, sets us free. It's not our work. We need to adjust our spiritual perception. Verses 26 through 27 says this, and he said, Jesus speaking again, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. He knows not how. Isn't that interesting? What Jesus is saying is the way the kingdom of God works. You don't know. You don't know how it is that God is doing what he's doing. So what's our role? To listen. To take action. It's to act. The kingdom of God is us just putting seed out. I remember planting something with the kids. When we first moved to the Victor area, we actually planted little beans. I remember we stuck them in the ground. And the next morning, <laughs> two of our three ran out and said, nothing's happening. Where is it? It was like, come on. We want to see it now. We want the fruit now. But we don't control that, right? We're just faithful with what it is that God's called us to do. We've planted the seed. And now we create and we cultivate a disciple-making environment. But it's God and God alone who grows that. So we have to act on what we hear God speaking and rest in the reality that he's at work. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And of course, this week is no different. So I want to ask you this question as you consider what it is that we've spoken about. What Christ-centered resources will I use to sharpen my spiritual perception? We've talked about perception a lot and this idea of how a spiritual perception can be muddied. So what, what Christ-centered resources can you use? What is it that, that you will use this week to sharpen your spiritual perception? To be able to sift through the things that have gotten muddied through self-protection or through the influences of others. For some of you this morning, maybe it means you have to gain a Christ-centered perception by surrendering to him. And starting right there at the beginning, saying, Lord, I need you in my life. If that's you this morning, you can pray a simple prayer. And it just, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. It's as simple as, as declaring yourself a sinner and, and engaging the gospel that I explained. Jesus, I know you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. And he'll begin a relationship that will start to clear up some of the muddied spiritual perceptions. If that's you this morning and you prayed that prayer and you'd like to have a conversation about potential next steps, you can, if you're with us live, you can click on request prayer and you'll be put in a private chat so we can have a conversation with you about what those next steps look like. If you're listening to this later or watching this later, you can feel free to go to our next steps page of our website and um, you can see some next steps there that you can engage with. We'd love to hear from you or walk alongside you as you continue in this journey. We don't want it to be an emotional response. For others of you this morning that maybe have already crossed that line of faith, what does it look like 
to use a Christ-centered resource. Maybe for you, it means signing up uh, on the next step page for to be spiritually coached, for someone to, to walk alongside you for eight weeks, and there's an explanation of what that looks like. Maybe that's the resource you need. Maybe it means signing up for our devotionals. They come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. There's an opportunity for, for you to be able to engage in a deeper understanding of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Maybe it looks like just clicking on the request prayer right now on the, the live platform and having a conversation with one of our hosts to just find out what the options are. What are some ways that you can be resourced specifically if there's a specific question you have? If you want to email us, we'd love that to be conversational if you prefer. For others of you this morning, maybe you're leaning into that. Maybe you've been discipled and, and you've taken all the next steps. You're, you're already part of our devotional process and you have other things that are uh, moving forward. I want to encourage you to consider what it looks like to act on those things. We have a very practical way for you to act this morning. It's opportunity to, to give to Convoy of Hope one, one day to feed the world. And so if you'd like to give to that and just kind of put your money where your mouth is and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sow into the kingdom of God, um, not because I'm expecting anything in return, but because I want to give to the furtherance of the kingdom and provide opportunity for people to hear who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And so you could do that by clicking on the give button and then there's a drop down and you can give to Convoy of Hope and all that money 100% goes directly to them. Maybe it means planting a seed by having a spiritual conversation with someone that the Lord's been laying on your heart for a long time now. I'm sure that whatever it is that your step or next step looks like, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to reveal it. And so I just want to encourage you as I close us in prayer that we would have the Lord seek our hearts and just direct us and lead us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that, that we can make judgment calls based on our past experience, based on our assumptions, our misguided perceptions. And so we simply declare ourselves available this morning that you would speak to us, that you would clarify who it is that you are and what the kingdom of God actually is like so that we can walk in the freedom that you make available and that we can be a part of the redemptive work that you have in and around this world for your glory and our joy, Lord. And we simply declare ourselves available would you speak to us so that we can act on what it is you've spoken? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excited to continue the Disrupted series. Um, you're not going to want to miss next week. It's going to be uh, really great as we actually hear from Eric. Hi, everybody. I'm Meredith. So glad you could join us this morning. If you're with us live, we want to now invite you to join us on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond and worship through song. There are many ways to worship, not just singing, and we encourage you to spend time applying the text as a way to worship this week. It's really worth taking the time to consider what you've heard and be transformed by the truth of God's word. On a related note, one of the ways to worship this week is to acknowledge that God has given us everything. And as a result, we're compelled to be generous and open-handed. There's a drop-down on the Give page of our website for the One Day to Feed the World offering. And we encourage you to worship through giving this week. In the meantime, though, we're excited to sing together if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs that we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our Disrupted playlist. But for those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in a couple of minutes.